Uh, welcome. My name is Scott Vandenberg, and I'm with the Hollenbach Society, and um, I'm so glad you're here today. Um, did you know that as much as 75% of Johann Sebastian Bach's music was written for use in the rhythms of a church worship service? As much as half of Bach's music has been lost, and what's left is not played often enough. So what is the goal of the Hollenbach Society to bring Bach's music back to its original setting, or something quite similar to its original setting. Bach was a church music director, kind of like Jane Bosco and John Swearinga all rolled up into one. <laughs> a contemporary of Bach named Caspar Roots was a church music director in a neighboring German city, and he wrote this in a letter, describing how a huge pile of church music he had inherited from his predecessors had been diminished by half by its use in stove fires and scrap paper. He says, who would give anything for it other than someone who needs scrap paper since nothing is more useless than old music? Ah, Casper. <laughs> Perhaps this sentiment still survives and, and I wonder if that's the case, but we're not just here about old church music. We're here today about timeless truths. Truths um, that have been around for 300 years. Today you'll hear the Word of God as a meditation passed along by Johann Sebastian Bach and by Bill Linder. I think that you'll find, though they're separated by 300 years, these truths have not changed. Bill will preach in English. Bach preaches in German. You'll find the translations of the text on the screen and in the bulletin inserts that you have. For those who are less familiar with listening to text in another language, I recommend catching the idea of the meaning of the music and then beginning to listen for key words. Uh, phrases like, come, Jesu, come, which is, come, Jesus, come, our invitation. Or our urgent plea, nun come, der Heiden Highland. Now come, Savior of the nations. Or you may hear the plucking of the strings as if it's the knocking of the door of your heart by God, asking to be let in, and you may respond, öffne dich, mein ganzes Herz, open now, my whole heart. Thank you for having us here at Hardwick Church. We hope this enriches your worship.
Scott and Hollenbach Society, those of you playing and singing, we thank you for your ministry. We'll probably wait till the end to express with applause, otherwise we'll be here all day. It's been a marvelous moment. We thank you for that ministry. Our call to worship is from the book of Psalms, Psalm 24, and it speaks of a king. Let's read responsively. Lift up your heads, you gates. Be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Now, who is this king of glory? The Lord, strong and mighty, the Lord, mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates. Lift them up, you ancient doors, that the king of glory may come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Our hymn is number 540. If you're able, I'll ask you to stand. We'll have it both in the hymnal and projected, and we'll sing with the uh, choir and the orchestra.
in a brief prayer of reflection as we uh, wait before the Lord. Father, we see around us a world that is filled with both majestic beauty as well as crushing brokenness. Meet us in moments of self-reflection and show us, first, how that beauty points us to a greater beauty that will yet be, and how the brokenness around us reflects both a brokenness within us and a brokenness perpetrated by us. Finally, awaken our minds and hearts to see the door that you have opened to all through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God.
and may the peace of Christ be with you. Do you have a sense of the way the music just carries you along, even if it's just music? Um, it's my joy to welcome all of you who've gathered here this morning for this special time, as well as those who, by the way, have live streamed and recording. Let us gather in your space with you to share this moment of worship with the living God. Uh, after the service here on site, there'll be coffee and refreshments, a time to uh, informally fellowship. I'll be gathering at 10.30 like I usually do. For a, I love to do a pastoral question and answer where folks can interact about the sermon, uh, other questions they might bring. Obviously, today we'll be reflecting on our worship time with the uh, Holland Box Society. Again, thankful for all the time. And I Folks from Celebration know I do this. I'm thankful too. I'm guessing that this represents lots of moms and dads waiting in the car for violin lessons or cello lessons or bass lessons. God has been at work for centuries to make this moment possible. And what a week it was. I want to express my personal gratitude and appreciation for the people of Hardwike. Last week, we gathered for worship, our handbell choir, 14 folks involved in uh, musical expression. Monday, we facilitated a blood drive. Tuesday, we opened our facilities to facilitate the election as a polling place. Wednesday, our community night where we had gems, cadets, Mission Church, a Spanish language congregation, uh, stuff for adults, after school recess. Then Friday and Saturday to relax, they put together and hosted a huge craft and secondhand sale that raised funds for missions, money that's gonna go to the extension of the gospel all across the world. And when I got here this morning, I checked. There were clean paper towels in the bathrooms. <laughs> None of that happens by accident. And so for Norlin and Gary, Christine and Dee, all the volunteers that were part of that, Wow, we're here, and we're thankful for that chance. Gratitude, uh, my response and appreciation. A um, couple of quick slides. One is children's ministry options. Um, there's a nursery available right now, and in just a few moments, I'll actually send uh, older kids, K through three, off uh, to separate class for themselves. Um, so we'll have that for children, offering options. You know, we've not passed the plate at Hardaway because of COVID. So we're gonna have to learn to do that again. I'll have those ushers come forward at some point and they'll distribute. Um, as you see, if you'll put Bach in the memo, that'll help underwrite the expenses. It'll go to the Holland Bach Society for them. Hardwike would come to us all cash and undesignated. Um, goes to the Holland Box Society this morning to help with their stuff. There's also <laughs> online giving. Now, some of you will be asking, what are those paper bags about? It looks like they missed something in cleaning up. Not true. You can take that paper bag home, grocery sack, fill it with groceries, and it'll be part of our offering for our Thanksgiving Day service or for the following Sunday uh, through Neighbors Plus and several other ministries to distribute food through this season and this time. And then another thing for which I'm quite thankful, uh, next Saturday morning, we'll have a two-hour grief share, one Saturday morning experience. Sometimes holidays can be particularly challenging for those who've experienced loss, and Pastor Mary will be leading that. Uh, you can sign up easily online or call the office. Uh, you do uh, what works for you. Um, we, you I, I'm not here to come up with a new faith 
I'm a steward of a faith that's been handed down once and for all to the saints. And so we like to use here at Heart of Wyke the Heidelberg Confession as an expression of the ongoing faith of the church across centuries. And I'll begin with question number one. What is your only comfort in life and in death? That I am not my own, but belong body and soul in life and in death to my faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. He has fully paid for all my sins with his precious blood and has set me free from the tyranny of the devil. He also watches over me in such a way that not a hair can fall from my head without the will of my Father in heaven. In fact, all things must work together for all salvation. Because I belong to him, Christ and his Holy Spirit. Heartedly willing and ready from now on to live for him. At this point, I'm going to ask the ushers who'll be passing the plates if they would come forward so we can pray for that and uh, release them. Yeah, come on up and we'll just line up here. You see, I told you we had to relearn this. Are we getting there? Yeah, we can get you all settled. Yeah, just, oh, we've got plenty. Let's take a moment and we'll pray. Father, we thank you that the gospel works to change our hearts, to take our fears and insecurity and replace them with a hope in you that shows itself in generosity. Receive now these expressions of our uh, day-to-day work life as we surrender them to you and to the work of your kingdom. Thank you for your goodness and grace. We pray these things in Jesus' name and all of God's people said together, amen and amen.
Our next hymn is number 74. At this time, I'll ask the kids, if you want to head out K through three, uh, Miss Janet is in the back there. She'll lead you to the class. Just catch up with her. The rest of you, as you're able, stand and we'll sing together. Savior of the nations, come.
Well, you've heard the text sung and preached. Let me ask um, Carola if I can get the remote. Thank you. This morning is praying for this service. I was struck that God had been at work for 27 centuries. By that I mean 27 centuries ago, the Holy Spirit anointed the prophet Zechariah And he would say, folks, a king is coming, but he'll look different. He'll ride on a donkey. That word sat for about five centuries. And then Jesus would come, and and Jesus called a tax collector, a guy who'd been a traitor to his nation and his people. And he'd say, Matthew, come and follow me. Matthew would follow Jesus. He'd see the triumphal entry. And he would realize this was the fulfillment of what Zechariah saw. Matthew was an eyewitness to that. And then in about a week, he'd be an eyewitness to the crucifixion of Jesus. And then three days later, he'd be an eyewitness to the empty tomb. (laughs) And then year after year, decade after decade, he'd be an eyewitness to what God was doing pouring out the Holy Spirit, bringing this good news, open my heart to that, to the whole world. Towards the end of his life, he'd carefully write it down in amazing ways what he saw and what God had said centuries before was preserved. About 17 centuries after Matthew, J.S. Bach would meditate on that very text And from that would come this music. See, for the service, I believe it was December 2nd, 1714, this text, the triumphal entry, was the text that moved Bach to write that music. And so from 1714 to 2022 came, oh, wow, was I overwhelmed this morning. (laughs) Here we are. Let me read to you this text a portion of what um, Bach used from Matthew chapter 21. Now, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you'll find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, say that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Zechariah 500 years earlier. Say to the daughter Zion, see or behold your king comes to you. Ah, but gentle and riding on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Let's turn to the father and pray. Oh Lord, our God, we thank you for the extraordinary way you have been at work to bring us to this moment. Thank you for the good news of the gospel that takes broken people and by the work of Jesus on the cross for all humanity opens a door by grace through faith. Help us to hear that knock and to enter in. Be with us and fill us with a great hope. We would pray, even as Bach wrote this day, that you would convey the honor of your name and preserve sound teaching and bless the pulpit and altar. Thank you for this day, Father. 
Thank you that you are worthy of our worship. Be glorified in all good things we pray now. In Jesus' marvelous name, amen and amen. Through the course of this year at Hardawike, we've been preaching through the scripture from Genesis to Revelation using a kind of focused, edited portion of the New International Version called the story. So we started at Genesis and right now in our other two communities where Becky and JB are preaching through the course of this day, we'll look at the first king, Saul. And it was amazing how well it mixed together with what we're doing today. Because this is about kings. You see, Israel had always wanted to have a king. Ten centuries before Jesus would come, the people would rise up for the prophet Samuel and say, we want a king. We want to be like them. We want to be like the nations. We want their security and their benefit. We, we want to be like the cultures around us. Well, the prophet Samuel would tell the nation, in effect, you hardly know what you're asking for, folks. You want a king so you can be like the neighboring nations, but do you know what a king will do to you? Listen to what Samuel says in 1 Samuel 8.10. This is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses. They will run in front of his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his own attendants. He'll take a tenth of your flocks. Boy, I wish it was that low, don't you? And you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you'll cry out for relief from the king you've chosen. You know, First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles is the dreary repetition, moving from bad king to bad king. How many a heartfelt New Year's resolution to read the Bible from Genesis to Revelation has battled its way through the Leviticus of February only to die on the cold stone of Second Chronicles. Bad king after bad king after bad king, but... There's a thread of hope. You see, Israel wanted a king, but the record is clear about what the king would be like, the king that Israel gets. Still, this hope is there. The Lord himself promises a true and a perfect king, and you see this thread through the Old Testament. First, he will come from the line of David, 2 Samuel 7, the prophet says to David, when your days are over and you rest with your ancestors, I'll raise up your offspring to succeed you, your own flesh and blood, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. A few centuries after that, God seems to move at a very different timeline than we're accustomed to. He would speak through the prophet Isaiah and say, for to us a child is born to us, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then, a few centuries later, this same prophecy. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, but lowly, and riding on a donkey. The Lord promises a true and perfect king the story of the gospel is that Jesus is God himself as king. Hardly the king we expect, 
but ah, the king we need. You see, we yearn for a king just like Israel, but God offers a true and perfect king. Two kings, and they're two differing, even I would say conflicting kingdoms. Jesus himself pointed out that you can't serve them both. It's either one or it's the other. Be honest. We want a king, a king who will serve our most desired interests, our happiness, our security, our privilege. We have to be honest about the king we get, though. I see it in my own life. People tell me about it in their own lives. A number of voices competing to rule our lives, to be king of our hearts. Friends, you'll see over time that it's a hard thing to be ruled by your own fears or insecurities or the wounds of your past. I call that as I minister with people that orphan voice, and you've heard it, I'm sure, because I have, that I'm not quite enough, that I don't feel able. They call it in psychology the imposter syndrome. It's a hard thing to be ruled by that orphan voice. It's a hard thing to be ruled by the expectations of others. Often these expectations are are just people using me and you for their own benefit. But if we submit to that, suddenly we can begin to lead a life that substitutes virtue signaling for real conviction and real service. I came across an opinion piece in the New York Times yesterday that points out just how hard it is to serve the king of this world in this day and time. It's called The Problem with Letting Therapy Speak Invade Everything by Tara Isabella Burton. Fascinating article that we're going to look at as a staff. I'll read just one paragraph. She's talking about Instagram therapy, how all of us have become in pursuit of our own wholeness. It's not just that this Instagram therapy gives its adherents a convenient excuse to to bail on dinner parties or to silence our phones when friends text us in tears. Rather, it's that according to this newly prevalent gospel of self-actualization, those aren't my words. A gospel of self-actualization The pursuit of private happiness has increasingly become culturally celebrated as the ultimate goal. The authentic self, to use another common buzzword, is characterized by personal desires and individual longings. Conversely, obligations, including obligations to imperfect and often, shall we say it, downright difficult people. They're often framed as mere unpleasant circumstance inimical to the solitary pursuit of our best life. Feelings have become the authoritative guide to what we ought to do at the expense of our sense of community. It's hard to be ruled by the king of this world. There's a king we expect, but there's also a king who knocks at the door, another king who'll seek you out, unexpected, riding on a donkey, nailed to a cross. An unexpected king who entered history a first time more than 2,000 years ago, born in a manger, who could have thunk, parading on a donkey? That wouldn't even pass in a Mardi Gras parade. 
dying on a cross, then raised to new life by the power of God. Pilate would send Jesus to the cross and say to those gathered, behold, your king. And he was right, behold, our king, who would give his life for each of us. Giving his life as a ransom for many, a substitute, taking our brokenness upon himself and offering to us his righteousness. The apostle John saw it in his revelation while in prison on Patmos for this gospel. Bach wrote about it in the music for this text centuries ago. This king is like no other. He stands at the door and he knocks and he yearns to know you and to love you and to give life to you. It's a dangerous thing to serve this king, it's costly. Serve this king and your career is gone. Now, you'll have the opportunity for a calling, but no career. It's not just about doing what you want to do. It's about following his call. Jesus, the king, may call you as a teacher to serve. He may call you into business where you build products, give people jobs, and perhaps even grow rich to be able to be generous in big ways then he'll also take the dregs of society, pull us out of the bands we were playing in, and make us pastors. Here I am. I'm so thankful I grew up in a family where my dad, as an engineer, was following his calling. Jesus took this working class kid from New York City, found a school that would accept him in West Virginia, gave him some discipline in the Marine Corps, and then day by day, it was his job to make sure that the people of the East Coast had enough natural gas to heat their homes and to go to their jobs. And from that calling, with the people of God, marvelous things happen. You'll no longer have a career when Jesus is king, but you will have a calling. You can no longer choose where you live. I love how Lauren Cunningham, the founder of Youth with a Mission, talked about the Great Commission and said, go means a change of location. Go. You can no longer choose where you are. You follow Jesus wherever he's taking you. I remember as a college student being challenged, and I heard it as the voice of God, the Good Shepherd, to take my education, my opportunities, and my resources and move to a neighborhood that had none of those. We spent a summer in Holly Grove. Some of you will know Holly Grove as that place in New Orleans that gave us Lil Wayne. Not sure I'm proud of that one. <laughs> but there we are. Perhaps that calling will call you to cross the street with kindness or to pick up the phone and pursue reconciliation with someone that you'll first have to forgive. I can only guess where the King Jesus will take you. He knocks at the door. He's a God we can hardly imagine, a king different than any other, but one who will bring us into his great kingdom and his great work, and one day be a part of his final establishing of glory. Let me read to you a summary of how I see this King Jesus You'll see it in your bulletin in the insert there. The founder, of our the founder of our movement laid aside his heavenly glory, security, and comfort 
and he allowed himself to be tortured to death by people who hated and feared him while being betrayed and abandoned by people who claimed to be his friends. Also, he could rescue and adopt into his royal family people who didn't deserve his kindness or blessing. Love so amazing, so divine. What kind of response does it call for? An occasional place on my schedule, maybe? Consideration as an option for my free time? One of the consumer pleasures, mine to choose, Isaac Watts would say, it demanded my soul, my life, my all. I can see the Apostle Paul and Augustine and Martin Luther and J.S. Bach and, and my dad, and right now Pastor Wang Yi, imprisoned in China for the same faith that we hold. Millions of people across time and cultures and nations and languages passed over by recognition and by history, but still seeing on the cross a king like no other who would set them free from the tyranny of this broken world and invite them to be a part of that great and emerging kingdom. This kingdom and this king will return once again to human history, this time to transform it and to make all things new. Now he's at work incrementally. Then he will be at work completely. Our king is knocking. Let's pray. Father, how we thank you for your goodness to us. That while we were yet broken and unable, you reached to us in the fullness of your grace. Fill us with a great hope. Help us to, to push aside all the confusing, conflicting, crazy voices of our broken hearts in this broken world. And to hear a God who would say, at any cost for you, Come and follow. These things we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.
take a moment as a body and pray, shall we? Father, thank you that as your children, you have opened the throne room of your grace. And so we take this moment corporately to lift up the prayers of your people. We pray you would continue to guide Hardwike Ministries in these times as we bring the gospel of your grace. Be with those who preach this day. We pray for Pastor Jeffrey and Angel Community Church in Muskegon, our dear friend. Bring fruit to his word from last night for Becky as she preaches in Watershed. Pastor JB preaching in Fusion. And in just a few hours, Pastor Florencio will preach here with Mission. We do ask, Father, that you would uh, bring fruit from your word to your glory. For us here in celebration, Father, we pray for those who find themselves sick or grieving or who are struggling with direction for life. Uh, Pray for those in the silence of your own heart who may have needs with sickness, grief, or direction for life. And Father, post-election, we pray for peace and for rule of law. We pray for those in authority over us, as Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2, that we might live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. And out of that would flow the message of your good news. Lord God, thank you that you are making all things new, not simply making new things. But you're taking us from our brokenness day by day for this moment, and then one day completely into the fullness of your grace. Thank you that the gospel is about redemption, not replacement. It's about how you make beauty from our brokenness. And because of that, we give you thanks. Father, I pray too uh, this day, I'm reminded of Veterans Day weekend, and for the loss that has brought freedom and hope Be with those who grieve, make us appreciative of all that we have. Father, bind us together as your people, as together we pray just as Jesus taught us using these words. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen and amen. Friends, rejoice. The Lord is King. Hymn number 224, as you're able, let's stand and sing to the glory of God.
Now the blessing of God from the book of Ephesians. Now to him who's able to do far more abundantly than we can ask or think, according to the power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen? And amen. Thank you. Go in peace.